who are here the, for the first time this morning, what a unique day in the life of our church to be here. Because this is the day that we get to introduce uh, Pastor Todd Arnett as our new senior pastor. Just a little bit of excitement. Just a little bit of excitement. Not much. Not much. You're great. So in my role as both an elder and part of the search team, I've been on this journey with Todd from the very beginning. First time I spoke with him was February 16th of this year. And I can still remember the prayers of the search team before I ever picked up the phone to talk to Todd. I'd never met him in any way And we prayed for he and his family, that God would give them wisdom and whether he was calling them to Trinity Church. And then when I got a chance to talk to him, I heard that he was praying the same thing. So we were both through this entire process praying the exact same thing, and that was that the Lord's will be done. And sure enough, it was done. Um, I wanted to let you know, I'm going to be praying for Todd in just a moment. But we are going to be having an installation service for him three weeks from today. So August 28th at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So put that on your calendars. Please come back where we will have a time to really honor and install him as our new senior pastor. And so now at this time, what a privilege. This process was undergirded by prayer from the very beginning. So what an appropriate way to start out. Todd's ministry here at Trinity Church, but to join together as brothers and sisters in Christ in prayer together. So would you do that with me now? God, there is no one like you. Lord, from the very beginning, you desired nothing more than a relationship with those you created. You placed us in a garden where we could enjoy you forever without any sin living forever, no problems, nothing. All you asked of us was to trust you, and we couldn't do that. So we got kicked out of the garden, Lord, the garden that you invited us into, but you did not leave us there. Instead, Lord, you introduced yourself to us through various people. You taught us who you were, that you're a God who is perfect. No sin is in you and you will tolerate no sin. So you showed us that we have a problem because we know, all of us in this room, that we have sin. But then you made a way, Lord. You literally entered into human history and walked this earth, making claims that no one else has made, doing miracles that no one else has ever done, and taking our sin on your shoulders, becoming our sacrifice on the cross so that we could once again be with you forever. And Lord, for that, we are eternally grateful. Lord, you call us into a movement. You could have chose to tell everybody about your son through kings and presidents and prominent people, but you didn't do that. You asked us to be telling people about your son. It's a grassroots movement, Lord, and uh, we're grateful for that. You are love, and you desire for yourself to be known and for others to know you. So when we pray to you, Lord, that is who we are praying to, and we thank you for God, or for Todd. We, yeah, excuse me for that. Lord, we thank you for Todd, and we thank you for his love for you and for your mission. We thank you for the way you've uniquely gifted him, and we pray that you would help him to apply those gifts here at Trinity Church. We pray that you would help him as he urges and guides us in our obedience. In the midst of his ministry, Lord, help him to love and care for his family, Help him to continually grow in his own faith 
and help him as he gets to know all of us, his brothers and sisters here at Trinity Church. As a congregation, Lord, help us to love and support Todd, Joanna, Jackson, Aaliyah, Kendallin, and Ellie, the whole family, who have stepped out of their comfort zone to be in ministry to you. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be a church that steps out of our comfort zone to be in ministry for you. Help us not to heap unrealistic expectations on Todd or his family. May we be a loving family to them, praying for them regularly. And Lord, the best way that we can help Todd in his ministry is by looking to you and living out our faith. Help us to love you and your mission and engage in our spheres of influence, our relational world. Help us to use our gifts that you've given us in service to you and to Trinity Church. Help us to give cheerfully to Trinity Church as you lead. And help us to love and care for our own families and to grow in our own faith. Help us, Lord, to be teachful or teachable, not prideful. And Lord, we pray that Trinity Church would be a place that is a place of unity and of love. Lord, Trinity is your church. Use us, Lord, to help those who are dying all around us, who have no hope. Unify us with the other churches in our area. Bless them and bless us as we enjoin this spiritual battle. Grow our collective influence as you grow your church here in the Inland Empire and throughout the world. So now, Lord, we pray that you would speak powerfully through Todd as he brings your word. Prepare our hearts for the message that you have for each one of us. And Lord, when we leave this place, help us not just to be hearers of your word, but actual doers of your word out in the community. And Lord, we pray all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, Trinity Church. How are we doing? Good. It is great. Great. I mean that at the best sense of the word. Great to get to be with you today. Um, I uh, I did get a chance to go by towards the end of the backpack giveaway yesterday. What a great day. I got to tell you, it was a little ominous though, and you saw it maybe in the video, that there was one of the tents there of one of the groups said probation on it and a bunch of people in line. And I just say, I'm, I'm not sure that's a line I want to stand in, but that's great. But I will say what really uh, caused my heart joy was the idea that Trinity Church, that the name is connected to generosity and giving and compassion. And we want to be known as a people like that in the city of Redlands, in the Inland Empire. So thank you for everyone who both gave, who served, all those aspects. Uh, it's a great thing for the way that we can be a part of God's kingdom. So I got to tell you, welcome from my whole family. This has been a trip and um, in a great way. But I'm telling you, when I, when we were, Joanna and I were talking the other day, uh, in the months of June and July, it has been as though God has packed six months of life into those two with all the different things coming and going and, and whatnot. But we have felt so loved and so welcomed and so well received by you. And we just want to say thank you for that. It is a privilege to get to join the family. And we're excited to to dig in and move forward today. If you have a Bible, you can open it to Deuteronomy, book Bible, electronic Bible, whatever you may have. And if you have notes that you received in your worship folder, you can have those out ready to go. And we're going to dive in. I got to tell you, there are so many emotions, so many different feelings going, just pulsating through my body that I want to communicate. I probably have seven messages ready for today. And so I had to pray for focus. God, help me just kind of stay dialed in to what you want to say and where you want us to go as a people today. But suffice it to say this, we have been eagerly anticipating, eagerly anticipating beginning this new chapter with you. And I choose those words carefully because I realize that we're coming into a church that has a a story a historical context. This is not the first chapter of Trinity Church, nor will it be the last. But the key is, is to realize where is our page in the story. And I believe that God is beginning a new chapter. We get to be a part of it. I counted a huge 
privilege to join into it with you. You see, the history of Trinity Church began 2,000 years ago. When Jesus talked, I know it seems like a long time, right? But it was when Jesus had his disciples and he commissioned them to go into all the world, even the Inland Empire, and to make disciples there. And more recently, it was in the last 36 years in a living room of a home in Highland that a Bible study began to become a body. And a local church was, was birthed. The first pastor of Trinity Church was Chuck Miller. And after Chuck Miller served in those very foundational days, Dr. Larry Poland came next. And he brought life and vitality and growth to Trinity Church until he gave himself fully to Master Media uh, International. Dr. Gary Inrig came in 1992 and for 20 years served Trinity Church as continued growth and thriving occurred under his ministry. And so we here are today, the fourth senior pastor of Trinity Church, an incredible privilege for me to be in that role. And we are simply opening a new page, beginning a new chapter to what God has already been doing for so long, writing in your hearts, writing into the community of the Inland Empire and literally around the world through Trinity Church. We need to pause, by the way, and say Guten Tag to our Germany team. They're live streaming today. Can we all turn around and say, Guten Tag! Welcome to you. So I was stoked when they said they were going to really make it possible to spend time as a team being here. We want to remember them in prayer this week as they're serving so diligently. I want to begin this new chapter with you today, thinking of a group of people we can relate to. We're not going to see same, same in every area, but we can relate to a group of new Israelites. This was a new, when I say new, there were a new generation who were sitting on the eastern bank of the Jordan River, who could literally look, who could see the promised land in front of them. And before they made that move, before they ever stepped out in faith, God said, let's begin together by making a covenant. I will come to you and say, I will be your God. And will you respond by saying, yes, we will be your people. And so today, as we think of that generation full of faith, full of obedience, as we think of that generation who were not going to be stifled by a lack of faith like their parents had, a lack of faith that got right up to the edge of the promised land but said no, and God sent them wandering for 40 years, these children grew up in that wilderness and they were ready to say, God, we want everything you have for us. I'm putting that before us today, that we would be that people. And in the very same way, that God brought that together, sealed it with a covenant, I'm gonna ask you today, I'm preparing you in advance, asking you today to make a covenant before God that will flesh out among us and say, yes, God, I will be that man. Yes, God, I will be that woman. And we will walk into everything you have for us. So I can't wait. We're gonna dig in. In your notes, take a look. We'll begin here today talking about this idea of covenant. Number one, as we see it through five fingers, five ideas, covenants are made in relational context. Covenants are made in a relational context. We're, we're going to do this. We're going to take a very brisk walk. I normally never preach this way, so good idea, Todd. Let's just do something totally out of the box. But we're going to take a brisk walk through the book of Deuteronomy, and as we do, we'll look at these kind of five ideas throughout. We begin with this first one. The first three chapters of Deuteronomy are a historical reminder. Moses reminding this generation of who they are and where they've been. I want you to think of a time today when you have made a covenant with someone else. We said that covenants begin in relationship. When is the time you made a covenant? And I didn't ask, when is the last time you signed a contract? Okay, because you're doing those all the time. Every time your computer wants an upgrade, you're agreeing to a box. You never read all the legalese, but you, li- you click, yes, I agree, and you move on. Whether you do that with your computer, with iTunes, when you're, you're upgrading, whether you do it with any legally binding contract, that's a contract and that's different. It's different because a covenant is something that binds two people who are already in relationship who plan to stay in relationship. The very basis is found in that reality. So I want us, as we're using the word today, let's define it from the beginning. In your notes, the English word that we have, covenant, is two Latin words joined together that say and mean come together. 
It's when two people come together, two parties come together. So the meaning is, is rich today as we enter into this idea and this word. Biblically speaking, as we look at biblical covenants, we'll define it this way today, establishing a bond between two parties. Establishing a bond between two parties. And what we find is consistently, these two parties already are connected, already have a relationship. It's not the beginning of something, it's taking the relationship that's there and it's now drilling down. It's now looking forward to, this is who we will be together. I'm going to get this microphone right before next month, okay? So now when you think of a covenant that you made with someone, you're not thinking about clicking yes on the iTunes box. You're now thinking about, oh, that was when maybe you as a student, good to see you guys, by the way. When you as a student said, maybe between you and your parents, I'm going to wear this purity ring as a symbol of saying between before God and before you, I'm going to live a life of purity. Maybe it was when you got married and you said vows to your spouse. You made a covenant that day. Maybe it was when you adopted a child and you as a parent said to this child, I will be this to you. Maybe it was when you agreed to be um, custodial parents of someone else's children, if they were to die tragically, you would step into that role. You made a covenant that was already within a relational context and you said, we're taking this relationship and defining it. We're saying this is what we promised to each other to be. That's why you don't make covenants with Apple or AT&T or your internet provider. You're simply agreeing to their terms and as long as you pay the bill on time, it's a good relationship. They don't come after you. But this is exactly why God employs this language because as we'll see together today, this is Yahweh. This is Yahweh and these are his people and he's initiating a bond in light of that relationship. Deuteronomy begins geographically, take a look at the map, at this place. Uh, as you look at the, this, this sketch or this thought of Israel today, notice where the arrow is. They are, they've come up from the south and they're wandering and now God has, had them in, God has them encamped on the eastern side of the Jordan River. You'll see they're basically right across from Jericho. So think of this idea, literally as they were camped, it was in a place of elevation. They could look across the way and not only did they see a, a land that God had promised their ancestors all the way back to Abraham, but they could see a walled city in front of them that God said, that will be yours. Had to blow their mind. All the walking, all the journey, and now they were finally here on the cusp of it. It's in this context, as they were there geographically, that Moses is going to retell the law. That's actually what the word Deuteronomy means, is second law. A re-giving of the law. And the interesting thing is, Moses doesn't rewrite anything, he actually speaks it. The book of Deuteronomy is one long oration, one long sermon of Moses telling the people who they've been and now what they're walking into in this covenant with God. One of the great summary verses of the first three chapters is found in chapter one. In your Bibles, they're open to Deuteronomy. We'll just kind of be moving methodically through the book. You'll see the reference there, 131. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you. And look at this phrase. As a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. So like the nation of Israel, these people, most of us have a relational context with God. As we make a covenant today, we would make it out of that. Some of you are here today and, and that's not true yet. You haven't made a relational connection to God through Jesus Christ. And I wanna tell you, I couldn't be more excited that you're here today. And later as we walk through the day today, you'll actually have an opportunity to make that response. So number one, a, a relational context is where these bonds, these covenants are made. Number two, covenants guard and fortify your purpose. Another aspect of this covenant in Deuteronomy, covenants, what do they do? They fortify, they guard your purpose. The first three chapters of Deuteronomy recount their story, recount their history. The next chapter speaks of the greatness of God. As God begins to woo them, to draw them into covenant, he reminds them, this is who you're gonna be in a relationship with a new type of bond. This is who I am. Look at these words, chapter four, verse 39 and 40. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that Yahweh is God. 
By the way, when we see in scripture, every time you read in your Bible, the word Lord and all four letters are capitalized, that is the name of God. God is his title, Yahweh is his name. Hear this day that Yahweh is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I'm giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. Moses is reminding the people that they're not entering into covenant with a peer. They're not making a treaty with another nation who already exists in Canaan. They are making a union with God Almighty. He is not an indigenous God of the river, a God of the mountains or the valleys. He is the God who lives in heaven and on earth, created all of them. That's the God who is approaching them to, that they would live according to his ways and even says it, which are always in their best interest. I want you to hear this today. The covenant in Deuteronomy was not actually the point We don't circle around this idea and just keep speaking about commitment and vows. Commitment and vows fortify the purpose, guard the purpose, but ultimately it's about the purpose. God had ordained, God had identified this people of all the nations that had already formed, all the nations that had arisen. God will tell them throughout the book of Deuteronomy, I have chosen you, you are my treasured possession, and it's not because you're so great. He will tell them consistently. It's not because you're such a a vast number of people. It's not because you're so obedient. You have been stiff-necked from the beginning. That's the exact phrase. And and we go, we read Deuteronomy, we go, huh? That's, That's me. I get it. But God says, I chose you for an express purpose of showing who I am to the world. You are my treasured possession for the purpose of the nations around you seeing who I am. Let me show you my, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible and my, definitely one of my favorite ones in this book of Deuteronomy. Look at Deuteronomy 4, verses 6 through 8. This was what was going to happen as they lived out God's ways among the nations they were going to be proximate to. Verse 6, observe them, them being these decrees, these laws. Observe them carefully, why? For this will show your wisdom as a people, your understanding to whom? To the nations who will hear about these dec- all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way Yahweh, our God, is near us whenever we pray to him? So step number one, the proximity, the closeness of God. He's among us. Secondly, and what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? Hear the power of these words. As this generation would live out God's design, as they would live out his purpose, look at the byproduct The purpose was live in right relationship with this covenant God, with Yahweh. And as you do, the nations will notice. In their chaos, they will look to your wisdom. In their curses that they would face and challenges of of marauding nations and others coming against them, they would see your blessing. I'm a child of the 80s, so I'm going to make way too many 80s references throughout our time together. I'm just warning you now. But this great movie of that era, we're at Field of Dreams. And, and what does he say? What? If you build it, they will come. The people of Israel, if you will live it. If you will live out these laws, they will notice. This was God's Old Testament, his former covenant's way of reaching the world was through a nation he would choose that would live in right relationship with him. In turn, he would bless them and the nations would want to know why. Guess what? Nothing's changed. In the same way that God worked that way with that people group, he works that way with us today. In your notes. In the same way that God called a nation to be a people of influence, so you're called today to be a person of influence in your relational world. You get to be 
a person of intentional Jesus influence to those that God has supernaturally, strategically placed in your life that when you will scroll back in your mind, God, how in the world did I get these neighbors? God, how in the world do I have these coworkers? God, how in the world do I have these extended family members? And yet, God, you have chosen me to be a person of Jesus' influence in their world. What an incredible privilege. What an incredible responsibility. What an incredible mission. That is the church's role, is to help you get better at that. To be a person of intentional Jesus influence in your relational world. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do through your lives, through my life, as we take that seriously. Brings us to number three in our notes. A third aspect of covenant. Covenants are fulfilled by devotion to one another. Fulfilled by devotion to one another, not merely rule-keeping. Now, the second half of chapter four through chapter 11, this is the really one of the reasons I love the book of Deuteronomy so much, is that when we read in Exodus and Leviticus, the, in a sense, it is, it's the same law. It's so much of just simply the what. But Deuteronomy screams the why and the how. And what God is consistently after, what he is telling this new generation, awaiting all that he has for them on the other side of the river, is I'm not interested in religion. I'm not interested in checking boxes. I'm not interested in your rule keeping. I'm interested in your hearts. I want your heart, your affections, that which you long for. I want that to be me because I am what you're looking for. As we walk through this, these chapters, keep in mind that the God who has led them to the promised land who will secure it for them, how significant their love and devotion to him will be for them to prosper. And this is the call for them not to forget the God, who their God is, and that flows out of their understanding, the fact that he is faithful. Look at this, Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore, know, it's a command, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant, keeping his vows, keeping his word of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Deuteronomy shows us that God is after much more than this rule keeping, much more than just simply taking a list of do's and don'ts and living them out. He was looking for them to have a fully devoted posture to him toward the a God who deserves it so much. Skipping over a couple chapters, chapter 10. And now Israel, what does the Lord, what does Yahweh your God ask of you but to fear him, to fear Yahweh your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve him, the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, getting way below the surface and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. A holy respect for God and a love for him would be what the people would need in order not to sink down to this base level of simply, I'm keeping rules. I'm keeping the law. What I love about Deuteronomy is how transferable it is to us. You may be here today, and if you would just take a moment of of just reflection and honesty, you would honestly have to say that you are much more religious than you are in a loving relationship with Jesus. Because your status with God would be based on, I went to church this week. The mark, the litmus test of where you're at with God would be based on, I had rudimentary devotions for 12 minutes, at least four days this last week, I'm doing good. Nothing wrong with going to church. Absolutely nothing wrong with a devotional life. But when we simply allow it to sink to, this is what my relationship with God is, is checking boxes and keeping rules, then all of a sudden we've lost the entire heart of the whole matter. Everything else that you're distracted by, now let's pull back and say, I did my religious things for the week, but what is the rest of my week like? It's chasing shiny things. Shiny things of advancement of a career. Shiny things of being uh, just well-liked by people. Shiny things of toys that I can kind of check out and just play with. These are the things that distract me. And here's the interesting thing. Everything I'm after, 
that I'm trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction in, in these shiny things is found in the greatness of who God is. I just don't know it yet. I just think those things will satisfy. And in the all-time immortal words of the theologian Mick Jagger, you can't find no satisfaction. It's all bound up in Jesus. He is what you're looking for. And God was trying to say that to this new generation. I am what you are looking for. Look to me and find. And I can't wait to share it with you. So as we unpack this reality, just know that this is such a central theme, not just to the book of Deuteronomy, but to our own lives, that we not just live based on our morality and rule keeping, but we say, Jesus, I know you want my heart. And if you're here today and you'd be honest enough to say, I, I'm kind of just a, a, a religious person, but I want to be more, begin by at least admitting that's the case and then saying, Jesus, show me. Show me that you are what we're talking about today, everything I'm looking for. A fourth aspect of covenant, number four, covenants clarify expectations. Covenants clarify expectations. The next sequence in Deuteronomy, really the majority of text from chapter 12 to the middle of 26 is the what? All of this information we've given so far have really not been the actual commands and directives of God. It's been the history. It's been the character of God. And it's been the why. It's been the heart, what God is after. Now he's going to get to the what? Clarifying the expectations. Think back to the covenant that you made with that person. Remember we mentioned earlier, more than a contract, but a bond that, that solidified and strengthened the relationship. Think back to when you do that. And, and, and the reality is this, if you and that other person, you and that other party were already on the same page, you wouldn't need the covenant. You'd have already agreed to everything and just kind of walked in parallel together. The reason you have the covenant is not just somehow making a promise, but it's saying that we will continue to walk in a way that we're going to identify today. That's why for some of you, when you got married, you actually wanted a little input into your spouse's vow writing, right? It's like, oh, you, you can promise me all this wonderful, romantic, flowery things, but what I want to know, who's going to do the laundry? Put that in there. Tell me that before God that you are going to do that. Other household chores that we're not going to spend more than we make. I want that in your covenant. And then we can both say it, agree to it, and walk it. This is the what of the covenant writing that... Moses is calling the people to with God. Covenants exist in order to clarify expectations and to bind two parties together in commitment to live accordingly. In the midst of the list of commands that we see all throughout chapters 12 through 26, we find these very powerful words. Chapter 13, verse 18. Because you obey Yahweh your God by keeping all his commands that I'm giving you today, what? And doing what is right in his eyes and doing what is right in his eyes. I don't believe that this phrase in Deuteronomy 13 is without intentionality, as it is the foil, it is the contrast to what will be the main problem with this generation's grandchildren. You see, in just a couple of books and just a couple of generations later, the thematic statement all throughout the book of Judges is that what? These people, in summary, it consistently says these people what? They did what was right in their own eyes. Deuteronomy 13, because you do what is right in his eyes. When God brings you a covenant, he doesn't bring it for you to edit. He doesn't bring it for your input. He says, here is the truth. Here is the way I will be to you. You never need to doubt my faithfulness. Here is what I'm calling you to, and I'm not asking for your take. I'm asking for your obedience because he is God and we are not. And here's the wild thing. You can see that as so heavy-handed. You can see it as so just lording it over us, but when we know both the power, the grandeur, and the goodness and love of God, whatever he would call us to is always for our good. I can't wait to drill down on that idea more and more at Trinity Church because I grew up always thinking, yes, God, you're right, but man, it is so hard to follow you. 
It is so hard to do this list because growing up, Christianity was very much a list for me. But when I began, and it was really interesting, it was actually when I became a father and I began to to grow with my children, I knew my heart. And my heart was when my son, when Jackson was a little guy and he, I was a youth pastor up in Oregon, he'd want to run out in, in, in the parking lot after church and just play tag with cars. I knew this was a bad idea. So what did I do? I gripped his hand. I would not let him go. And he's looking up at me. He's like, dad, come on. You have no idea of the fun waiting of me, for me over there. I said, you have no idea of the ambulance waiting for you over there. And so what did I do? I held all the tighter. I knew my heart was for his good. If this is true of you and you're a parent just like me, if this is true for us, how much more is it true of our good, good father? He loves us for our own good, not just because he's heavy handed, because he's not. I can't wait to look more and more at scripture with you to unpack that reality because I think when you get that, it really changes everything. Today, the covenant that we'll ask you to to vow to, to make a commitment to is based on elemental things that I believe God would have for all of us if we are to be his people. That brings us finally number five, the last aspect of covenant. Covenants spell out the consequences of both following and disregarding the terms. Covenants spell out the consequences of both following or disregarding the terms. This idea is shown so powerfully at the beginning now of this next section, chapters 26 through the end of 28. 26, 16, Yahweh your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws, to carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Language we've seen all throughout the book. You have declared this day. So Moses is telling him, this is what you're doing right now. You have declared this day that Yahweh is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him and that you will keep his decrees, commands, and laws and that you will listen to him. Moses is clarifying the reality. This is what this means. Verse 18, and the Lord has declared this day that you, now who is God going to be to you? You are his people in return, his treasured possession as he promised and that you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame, and honor high above all the nations as he has made, I'm sorry, nations he has made, and that you will be a people holy, set aside, consecrated to the Lord your God as he promised. So Moses reminds the people of who is involved in the covenant. This great God, and that they are to understand themselves as his treasured possession. And he assures them that he has blessing in mind for all that he's commanded them. Now, in the sequence, in chapter 27, Moses is going to take a break from going through this idea. And he's going to actually share with them. He's going to now foretell. He's going to tell them, this is what's going to happen as you go into the land, as you conquer. You're going to go to this place. Take a look at the map again. You saw it earlier today. Where they were camped on the eastern side of the Jordan River, Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal. He names them. None of them have ever set foot there. He names these places and says, as you begin to conquer the land, you're going to go up. Take a look at the next slide. This is what this valley looks like looking west, so looking toward the Mediterranean Sea. And as you see the mountains on either side, they're pretty evenly matched with the valley in the middle. He said, this is what you're going to do. Six of the 12 tribes, half of you are going to go to the top of one mountain. Mount Gerizim. And every time that Joshua and the priests, when they read the law, not only the law, but when they read of the blessings of the law, you're going to strongly amen them, affirm them. And on Mount Gerizim, you will say, amen. Yes, this is true of what God has promised us. I'm telling you, this microphone's making me nuts. (laughs) Then the other six tribes were gonna go on Mount Ebal to the other side. And every time that there were curses, that were going to true, the consequences of not following out God's design, that people would say as well and affirm, amen. This will happen to us if we fail to walk in God's ways and turn our back on him. By the way, this reality of the negative consequences of not following the law was not point for point. 
Because built into the law was when you fail, come to God through this sacrificial system. It was not that they were ever to be perfect. God knew they couldn't be and built in a way for them to be right. It was when they turned their back on God and followed other gods and lived their own way. Interestingly enough, in chapters 27 and 28, there's relatively very little, it's very concise about the blessings of God, but nearly four times the amount of verbiage is given to the negative realities if they turn their back on God. The two parties of Israel, the two sides of the nation would affirm these realities. And in Joshua 8, at the end of the chapter, we actually read this is exactly what happens. The people do conquer the land up to this point. They do come to Mount Gerizim, to Mount Ebal, and they affirm the covenant they made with God. God wants them to be fully aware of everything they're walking into. I love that about God. There is no small print in your Bible unless you're getting old and you can't read it anymore. Okay? God, God lays it out. He wants you to know this is who I am. This is what I'm calling you to be. I'm not going to throw some curveball to you later on and change the game. Let's be fully aware. So it brings us finally to the covenant that God makes with his people in chapters 29 and 30. Look at 29 verse 9. Carefully follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. Look at the heart of God. I want you to live this out so that you will know my blessing. All of you are standing today in the presence of Yahweh your God, your leaders and chief men, your elders and officials, and all the other men of Israel, together with your children and your wives and with the foreigners, even those living among you in your camps who chop your wood and carry your water. You are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God, a covenant the Lord is making with you this day and sealing on oath to confirm you this day as his people, that he may be your God as he promised you, as he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are three guys they never met. But three guys, God is reminding them, I have been promising this for a long, long time. I am making this covenant with its oath, not only with you, don't miss this part, not only with you who are standing here with us today in the presence of Yahweh our God, but what? But also with those who are not here today. Also with those who are not here today. As they would make a covenant before God and say, yes, God, we will be your people, your very treasured possession, their future generations. And even those from the nations that would be drawn to them, they were making a covenant even for those people to walk into. They would be blessed by their covenant making today. Can I tell you the same is true for you today? As you, later in our service, have the opportunity to covenant with God, those who come and join us at Trinity Church, they will be blessed by your covenant making. And this should not be a surprise to us. As we walk through the sequence and we look through the former testament, the former covenant, we see God making promise upon promise, even as Bob was praying today. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they were pushed out of the garden. God said from the very beginning, I will provide a way to make this right. And covenant upon covenant, oath upon oath, God was working his way until finally he sent his one and only son. The God-man, Jesus Christ, completely sinless life he lived. He died a sacrificial death on a cross. The only worthy, worthy one who could bear our sin. And then how amazing, how great, supernaturally he rose the third day. Jesus completed his mission, and and the oath was given originally to a group of people. He was the long-awaited Messiah. Praise God that Israel's Messiah did not just come for Israel. Praise God he came to us. Praise God that God so loved the world, not just this one people group, because he always meant that people group to be a blessing to the world. And in like manner, People made a covenant to God and you and I have been blessed as a result of it. People will be blessed through your covenant making today as we get to see who Trinity is gonna become, how God is going to use us in our neighborhoods, how God's gonna use us on our jobs, how God is going to use us in our homes, at our schools, 
I'm so excited about this new chapter. So today I wanted to begin by saying this. This is a covenant I make before God to you. Before God to be your senior pastor, these are the things that I today say I will do. I covenant before the Lord to abide in the vine, in Jesus, so that I can live in his power and strength and nutrition, as it were, expecting that he will bear fruit through my branch that will be evident to all. I covenant to continue to grow in my oneness in my marriage with Joanna so that we can both enjoy and demonstrate God's design of oneness. I covenant to be the dad my kids need and expect as I acknowledge that they are the innermost circle of my relational world who need a dad who lives out what he tells others he believes. I covenant to provide leadership along with the Trinity Elder Board as we protect the flock, as we protect you from potential harm and from missing the plot altogether. I covenant to serve alongside the Trinity pastoral team as we care for the flock in so many different ways in order to equip them, to equip you to become all that God has designed you to be. I covenant to agitate you. From the very beginning, you heard it here today. I covenant to agitate you when we might become lax in or distracted from pursuing our Savior's mission to rescue a lost world. I covenant to engage my relational world with Jesus' influence with the goal of them being drawn to him through my life. And lastly, I covenant to pray harder than I work because when I work, I work, but when I pray, God works. Now I've asked the Trinity Elder Board and the pastoral team to make like covenantal vows before God and say, as in our roles of leadership, we will be these people. So for you today, with that in mind, I'm going to ask you to make a covenant before God. In doing so, I want you to know this, that covenant's between you and him. It will play itself out towards us, but it is first of all between you and him. And I know for some of you, you take covenant making very seriously. I appreciate that. So much so that you have a bit of of, um, dissonance in your spirit. Like, I don't just easily commit to things. Super appreciate that high level of personal integrity. But can I say this? When the people of Israel were on the eastern side of the Jordan, God asked them to make a covenant with him before they ever took a step. Be this people now, and I will be this God to you, and we will do this together. The things I'm asking you to covenant to today, I believe are basic, elemental, fundamental realities of walking with Jesus. You may be here and you actually on the other side of the spectrum, you make covenant making so simple, so easy, that honestly this very non-binding to you. You've made different vows before and I'm not talking about contracts, even covenants that you've easily broken. I'm gonna ask you to take this one in a different light. Find the right balance be willing to say before God, God, I will be this kind of person. You're not making this agreement by doing this because I'm going to give you a chance to do that in a minute, but would you stand? And I'd like us to read this together. Go ahead. If you're able, stand up. I want us to read this aloud and afterwards I'll give you the chance to respond to it. Read with me. As the people of Trinity Church, we covenant before the Lord to walk in the grace that we have received from God vertically as well as to be dispensers of grace horizontally to those that God places into our lives. For those of us who are married, to value our spouses and our need to remain connected to them because we honor God when we love our spouses according to his design. For those of us who have children, to demonstrate to them the love of their good, good father by the way that we carefully and intentionally raise them to love him in return. For those of us who are single, to live in undivided devotion to the Lord so as to make the most of our time, talents, and resources, to provide encouragement and support for Trinity Church, to continue to be a people who are a community of Christ followers, longing to glorify God by loving God, loving people, sharing the gospel, and serving the world to follow, support, and encourage the elder board and pastoral team as they fulfill their God-given roles of leadership for Trinity Church, 
to engage our relational worlds with Jesus' influence, with the goal of them being drawn to him through our lives, and to pray for the people and the mission of Trinity Church that we would be pleasing to Jesus, our audience of one. Would you stay standing? And this is the opportunity I just lay before you today. You have two versions of the same covenant in your program today. What I'm gonna encourage you to do if you wanna enter into this covenant with God and the way it's gonna play out among us at Trinity Church, I'd encourage you to take the larger one and I want you to sign it. If you're here today with a spouse, you can both sign on the same. And I encourage you to take it home. Put it in a prominent place. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it in your Bible. Put it somewhere you're gonna see it consistently and be mindful of who you say you will be. The smaller version Take the same card on the back, the very same way, sign it. And during our final song today, come forward, put this card in these baskets and say, Jesus, I want to be your man, your woman, as we walk forward into a new chapter together. Let me pray. Father God, we come before you today, a people on the eastern side of the Jordan, It's not as though we've never been here. It's not as though we have no, uh, just a vacuum, no context. We have a story. And God, we take those communal stories and we put them before you. And as we stand on the eastern shore of the Jordan, looking westward, looking into all that you have for us, we say today, God, we wanna be your people. You may be here today and, and you would say, but before I could even covenant to be and live that way, I've never really made that commitment, that covenant with Jesus. The great news is you can do that right here and now. That's your first covenant. Before anything we would make as a church body, you you would enter into first that relationship. And you can right here, right now say, Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner who needs a savior. I believe that you in living that sinless life, dying that sacrificial death, being raised supernaturally on the third day, I believe that you are the only savior available. So I choose today to acknowledge you as such and walk in your ways. You can make that commitment to Jesus. And in the moment that you do, not only is your eternal destiny changed, but then today you can fill out that card and say, yes, in that new fresh faith, I wanna walk with Trinity Church. Father, we love you. Thank you for being the faithful God you are. And with joy today, we say we will be your people. We pray in the great name of Jesus. Amen.